This episode of the Bamboo Pastors Podcast has been brought to you by the Growth Center for Church and Mission. The Growth Center has established the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader, a ministry ecosystem which brings together pastors, ministry leaders, and marketplace leaders who are finding creative ways to utilize their faith and their talents to bring the gospel to the cities and communities they live in. Check them out at thegrowthcenter.com. Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. Hey, friends. Welcome back to Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're so excited that you've joined us. I am here with my co-host, John. And John, it's always good to talk with you. Always good to see you. How are you doing? Hey, Jalen. It's good to hang out with you on another Thursday night. And uh, I'm just glad that, you know, uh, we are able to keep hanging out like this. Uh, it's one of my favorite parts of the week. But I'm having a pretty, uh, pretty good week. Um, it has been moderately productive uh, when it comes to ministry stuff. I think we are just getting, you know, I think on a previous episode, I talked about how we have this big young adult retreat coming up. And, you know, as we get closer and closer, more and more pieces are starting to fall into place. But that also means a lot of the work um, just starts to pile up things that we have to finish before the retreat begins. And so it has been a fairly um, productive, but very busy week for me. Uh, I'm also preaching on Sunday. Um, but one of the things that we did for the retreat this week was I met up with our junior high pastor who also does our college ministry and his wife. And we hung out together for a couple of hours and we were just um, planning games for this retreat. Now, you know, in the time that I've been at my church here in San Jose, most of it has been spent on Zoom. And so we've tried doing things where we play games on Zoom, but it's just not the same as like, you know, hanging out, playing some goofy games uh, in person. And, and I think as a former youth pastor, like even though I wasn't great at playing games, I was really good at borrowing them from other youth groups. And I feel like that is some one of the gifts that I have to share with my church now is all these games piled up from 12 years of youth ministry and we're pulling out the best and most fun and most ridiculous games that we can think of, you know, that we've largely borrowed from other churches and other youth groups. But I had a really good time, um, you know, sitting down and planning games. Not something I've done in a while, and so I'm looking forward to some of the silliness that we're going to have on the retreat. Which I think by the time this episode airs, will have already passed. But yeah, something I'm looking forward to. How about you? How has your week been? What have you been up to? Yeah, you know, uh, as you're talking about, you know, planning games and stuff like that. That you know, an, an idea came to mind for a new podcast for you and maybe a you know some other some other people, not me, but like just going through youth pastor games or like youth ministry games and just breaking down week by week, a different game and what is good about it, what's good, what's bad about it, how to do it. Uh, and then maybe some lessons that you learn from it. That would be, that would be a fun podcast. I think we're going to have to make that into one of our spinoff podcasts <laughs> along with, I think what were the other ones like bamboo pastors, wives podcast or something. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. But yeah. yeah. Bamboo pastors games. That's right. Yeah, that'll be our gaming channel. Exactly. <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah, you know, things, you know, you know, as far as like productivity with ministry, I'm glad that you were pretty productive this week. Uh, this week has not been super productive for me. It's been really hard. Uh, just I've I had to stay home and work from home a lot more this week, just with 
you know, some kids being sick and, um, you know, our child care for the, the youngest one not really working out for this, the last few days here. So it's just been a little bit more stressful. It's put a little more pressure on preparing for just the, the different ministries that are happening over the weekend and for things that are happening through the week, you know, just planning different meetings and that sort of thing. But, you know, I'm just reminded that I need to pray more because of that. Right. And, and the Lord has used this as a reminder for me that in spite of all the, the experience or even just the time that I put into ministry stuff, like really nothing is going to be of value if I'm not leaning on the Lord. And so that's been, you know, that's, that's a lesson that I constantly need, but especially this week, I've just been hit with it again. And I'm thankful for the Lord's grace. I'm thankful that he allows me to be in this uh, this ministry life. And I just want to continue leaning on him. And so uh, it was a good, you know, it, it was a good reminder, but it's been a tough week just in preparing for that. So um, yeah, I, I'm just glad that that we can spend some time now to kind of do something a little bit different and, and hang out. So I'm always glad for this podcast. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I, I know that it can be challenging. Like, even though I said that this week was productive, there were many moments where um, there were distractions and, and those distractions weren't necessarily bad, just things that pop up in, in life, uh, in ministry that, you know, draw our attention, but, um, yeah, I have been there. So my prayer for you this week is that the Lord would just multiply your time, uh, the remaining time you have this week as you prepare for this weekend and, and all the other ministry stuff that you have going on, um, but for tonight, for the podcast, I am very excited because we have a very special guest on with us today. Um, this guest, man, I have known him since he was a junior high student uh, in my youth group. And so he has, uh, you know, when we talk about joys and challenges in ministry, oftentimes, especially for youth pastors, the moment we say the word joy and the moment we say the word challenge, students will pop up into our minds. And many times this student has popped up for both of those words. Um, I guess he's not a, a youth student anymore, but he's actually a seminary student at Dallas Theological Seminary. And so our guest today is Chris Huey, uh, a good friend of both of ours and um, someone who is currently training to go into full-time ministry. And we are just really excited to have you on, Chris. I'm going to spare you by not telling too many stories, at least not right now, uh, about your time in youth ministry, but we might save them for later, so. Yeah, thanks for having me, excited to be on. Yeah, Chris, thanks for joining us. We always start each podcast by asking our guests to share just their ministry journey, their calling into ministry. And so um, share with us just how God has called you into ministry and kind of how that process and journey has gone. Yeah. yeah. So um, as a senior in high school, I was thinking about um, what I wanted to major in or what I wanted to do uh, as I was heading off to college. And something that is characteristic of, of Chinese Americans or the, the Chinese Heritage Church is, is a value of um, supporting your family, right. And being financially independent. And so oftentimes that means pursuing careers that have comfortable, sustainable salaries. So stereotypically that's being a doctor or a lawyer engineer. Um, my parents were never super like pushy about it, but they would be really subtle in comments like, um, Oh, Chris, you're good at math. So you should think about accounting or engineering or so-and-so's cousin just got into Harvard for business or whatever and stuff like that. But I remember as in high school, as I was reading the gospels and specifically in Luke, when Jesus called the disciples, um, they immediately dropped their nets and followed him. And so as I was reading that passage and, and studying 
um, Jesus is called to his disciples. Um, the question popped up in my mind of what is it, what did it mean for me to drop my net? Um, and to me as a high school senior, that meant giving up the opportunity to, you know, be comfortable, um, to, to pursue a lot of money, um, for the sake of ministry. And so that idea just kind of stuck, uh, with me through the years, like has been grown and developed. John was very much a part of this process uh, when I was in high school because I was pretty close to going to Moody Bible Institute. I ended up going to the University of Illinois. Long story short, I equated going into ministry with going into a particular school, but uh, the calling of my life into ministry wasn't so much for a particular place, but just how I was going to carry myself, whether that was at Moody or at, or at U of I. Um, so I went to U of I was involved in campus ministry there. Um, and then uh, ministry kind of took a back burner after I graduated. I was at home for a year, lived in Houston for a bit. And then I was uh, I took a perspectives class when I was in Houston, uh, a class that's focused on, on missions and, and teaching lay people about God's mission. As I took that class, I was just reminded of the call that God had put in my life and how much I wanted to learn about him and, and study scripture and, and know more of him. Um, and so that's when I applied to seminary. And then I started at uh, DTS's Houston campus, um, the year after. And then I moved to Dallas this past, uh, this past summer, um, and continuing my education at the, at the main campus of, of DTS. Yeah. So Chris, you know, as you were sharing that, um, I know our listeners can't see it, but I had a big smile on my face because I was remembering some of those really late night conversations that we had when you were in high school about going into, into full-time ministry and about following Jesus and what that really looked like for you. And I know that there were rough moments in that time and, and God had in hindsight reminded you or, or revealed to you why, um, you know, he had your story unfold in a certain way. Um, but I think Jalen and I are both thankful to see just how God has led you in, in these years from then until now and, and what he's doing in your life now. So we want to talk a little bit today about just your time in seminary because um, we haven't had anyone on the podcast that was currently in seminary, though many of our guests in the past had attended seminary. Um, and so, you know, at, at DTS, Dallas Theological Seminary, um, in your training, in your classes, what has been or what is currently, um, you know, helpful for you for preparing you for full-time ministry? Yeah, so I think the, the two biggest things are probably um, knowing God, one, and, and knowing the Bible. Um, I think being able to, to really understand and wrestle with uh, what does it mean that God is Trinity? You know, what does it mean that Jesus was fully God and fully man? Uh, you know, what is salvation? What is sin? And, and really understanding those things for ourselves um, in order to be able to teach those um, to the people we minister to. And also knowing scripture. Um, who does God reveal himself to be in scripture? What do the scriptures say and what do they don't say? Yeah. And I think just really understanding his word in order to share that well with other people. Um, would probably be the two biggest things so far in seminary. Yeah. And I think that's super important. A lot of times, you know, we find that when, when people go to seminary, that it's, it's easy to kind of just make the Bible a textbook and to look at it from just a, an analytical perspective and not allow the word of God, which is sharp and active to really pierce our soul, to change who we are and to grow in, in our knowledge of the Lord. And so I'm grateful that that's something that, that you're taking from your seminary seminary right now. Um, you, you know, one of the things that I want to maybe kind of discuss among the three of us is just the, the benefits and the drawbacks of attending seminary uh, versus not attending seminary. Uh, for John and I, we did not 
attend seminary. Well, I, I did maybe a year and a half worth of credit for seminary, um, but I did not finish. Um, John didn't, you didn't attend seminary. Uh, Chris, obviously you're in seminary now. Uh, maybe just, just as a, as a conversation for the three of us, uh, you know, what, what are some of the benefits? What are some of the drawbacks of attending seminary as we look at preparing for full-time ministry? Uh, maybe John, I'll start with you and ask, um, you know, are there some things that you feel like you missed out on because you didn't attend seminary? And, and maybe as you look at other people who have attended seminary, mm -hmm. uh, what are some things that you feel like, oh, um, that's good, but I also um, don't regret necessarily going, not going to seminary. Yeah, well, I think the first thing I wanna say um, before our guests, our, not our guests, but before our listeners get the wrong idea is that just because Jalen and I, we didn't attend seminary, doesn't mean that we aren't trained or prepared for what God has called us to. Um, both of us attended Bible college. So maybe in terms of degrees of difficulty or uh, the depth of the education, maybe it was like a slightly lower level um, than say graduate level coursework. Uh, but I think for us or for me, maybe I, I won't speak for Jalen. Um, I always felt that my education at Moody was, was an excellent education when it came to full-time ministry um, and, you know, was really grounded in scripture and um, understanding the Bible, practical ministry classes. And I really valued my time there. Um, I think when it came to seminary, oftentimes as a youth pastor, uh, and, and especially maybe unique to the Chinese Heritage Church, because we do have this really high emphasis on education and maybe even status through education, um, through what you've achieved. I, I always felt like I um, maybe, uh, yeah, I just resisted the idea that I had to have a certain set of letters after my name um, in order to qualify me for ministry, that my calling came not from you know, the, the level of education, but from what the Lord was calling me to, that it was coming from him. Um, at the same time, you know, were there things that, that I thought about, uh, you know, have I ever thought about going to seminary? Um, I definitely have. I've considered it maybe not so much for an MDiv, but I've considered how do I supplement the education that I already have, the training that I already have? Because I, I, I really believe that we are called to be lifelong learners. Um, though many of us learn differently. So some people learn really well in the classroom. Other people learn from, you know, reading books, from interacting with other leaders, from, you know, life experiencing. And you probably draw from all these buckets differently or different amounts. Um, but I think that was probably one of the things that when it came to like graduate level work or even beyond, um, I don't think I ever really considered getting an MDiv or like a THM or anything like that, because I felt like it would be an overlap of my Bible college education. Um, but I did over the years consider what would maybe a counseling degree help me in um, as a pastor in, in doing ministry, what a degree in, um, you know, focusing on ministry to young people or in the Chinese Heritage Church, something like Asian studies or whatever you might call it, um, you know, if I, I did consider that as, as something that might be beneficial, but what about you, Jalen? Yeah, you know, I, I would probably echo a lot of the things that you've already said. For me, a big thing was having gone to Moody, uh, being exposed to professors who were like that living curriculum and being in relationship with some of those professors who 
were able to walk me through or talk me through what ministry looked like beyond the textbook and beyond just having, um, you know, a degree, right? In other words, having the right character. And I think that you're right that a lot of times as Chinese heritage churches, we probably put too much emphasis on the credentials and on having the degree and maybe not enough on uh, what the character and quality of uh, the, the pastor's heart and, and his leadership is like. And so I'm grateful that, you know, my time at Moody was very formative for my own heart and for, for my own walk with the Lord, because that is supremely important when we think about pastoral ministry and shepherding is to have the right heart. And yes, we want to be competent. Yes, we want to handle the word of God accurately. And yes, we want to have, you know, organizational leadership skills. But if we don't have the right heart, then, you know, our, our ministry is, is really going to, to suffer. We're not really going to connect with people and connect people to God in the right, in the right ways. And so, uh, but I, yeah, I agree with you too, John. I, there are some things that I wish I could, uh, and I, you know, would, would love to go back to, to school for. And, um, you know, I've, you know, I've, I've talked over the years with Jenny, my wife about, uh, you know, do we have the time or the resources to go back for me to go back to seminary or, you know, for me to, um, to take some classes and, and not necessarily to get the degree, but I think now that I've been in ministry for a number of years, able to pinpoint, here are some classes or here are some emphases that I would want to go back for, right. And, and kind of sharpen certain parts of my ministry, uh, skills that would be, would be helpful for the context that I'm in now. But yeah, for you, Chris, you know, as you mentioned, you were in ministry and did ministry at the University of Illinois for a little bit before going to seminary. So you have a unique perspective on that. What are some of your thoughts on the benefits or maybe even the drawbacks of attending seminary and um, maybe not being in seminary right away, you know, after feeling a call to ministry? Um, What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I I definitely echo um, just some of the things that you and you and John were touching on about um, the value we place on education and credentials, um, you know, and, and I think we really need to ask ourselves, like, what, what qualifies us for ministry? You know, is it the amount of degrees? Is it the number of hours? Is it, you know, um, the number of PhDs and papers you published? Um, you know, are we looking at heart or character or calling? Um, I, uh, during undergrad, I studied abroad in Rwanda. And, and one thing that really stuck out to me from my time there was that I had a friend who was a pastor, um, but he had, next to zero theological training. Um, it was simply because he felt that God had called him to be a, be a pastor and the community affirmed that, you know, his heart was in the right place and that he was a man of character and, and love God. And so they called him pastor, like, even though he, he didn't have any letters and he didn't have any training. Um, and so I think that just really spoke to me about, um, you know, God, how God calls us, even when we're not, maybe we don't feel qualified, but we don't feel eligible in ways that, um, our culture or our churches might define us being, you know, equipped for ministry or called to ministry, but, but that calling is outside of any labels or any, um, 
preconceived ideas of, of what it means to be called into ministry that we might have. Um, yeah, I think I think the biggest benefit um, is just learning, but whatever it is that that you want to learn and that God has for you to learn um, in seminary. Some of the drawbacks, I think, just naming that seminary it's expensive. Um, it takes a lot, it takes up a lot of time and, you know, we do have a God that provides, um, and you know, there are a lot of generous people who want to send people to seminaries so that they can get training. Um, but just naming the reality that, you know, socioeconomic status can be a really big barrier to people going to seminary and studying more. A lot of people talk about seminary being, um, a really dry season, if not the most dry season in their, in their spiritual lives. Um, I think there's a number of, can be a number of reasons for that. Um, I think the biggest one that I've observed or, or have felt myself at times is that you spend all this time talking about God and learning about God. Um, and you know, you're in the Bible, you're in, um, you're in community with other Christians. Um, but the, but the intimacy and the, the depth of relationship with God isn't there. Um, you spend so much time talking about him that you're not actually talking with him. Something I learned in youth group from John and, and this, this image or illustration has stuck with me is um, he, he had gone on a trip to Australia and he used the, the illustration of the Great Barrier Reef, right? That you can, you can study the Great Barrier Reef, you can, you can understand the coral, you can know about the ecosystem, you can read up on all the fish and know their scientific names and um, the history of it all. But there's something different when you actually go to the reef and and I think, John, you had gone snorkeling there and you just see it for yourself and you experience it for yourself um, that all that training and learning about the reef adds to your experience of it. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't replace the actual experience. And so I think for a lot of seminary students, um, there's this temptation or this fine line between, you know, studying about God and actually communing with him and spending time with him and going deeper with him. Um, and that line can be really blurry, I think, because you're spending so much time in you know, in the literature, in the texts, in, in studying and um, with other people talking about God. Yeah. So that's definitely, I think, something to be, to be aware of for, for seminary students and, and can be, can be something that's difficult and something that needs to be really wrestled with. I'm, uh, I'm impressed that you remember that illustration, Chris. <laughs> what I didn't tell you guys when I used that as an illustration was that actually on the way back from the reef, I threw up many, many times into a barf bag from eating little hot dogs and pineapples on toothpicks uh, because I was seasick the whole time. But I used the portion of that that trip to illustrate a point without, you know, the the downside of it. Um, but going back to, you know, talking about seminary, uh, one of the things that that I think I didn't have any regret about this, but I think I recognize it as a reality um over the years was just that you know there are times when like it or not you know this is the reality of of ministry that having a uh, a certain degree will open up doors that might not otherwise be open to you or might require much more barriers to kind of get through in order to get to that open door um and you know i think that for sure that was one of the realities um, that I faced in my time um, as a youth pastor that um, certain doors were closed to me because I didn't have uh, a particular degree, even though uh, I had the experience. I think I, I'd like to think that um, the ministry I did spoke for itself, I, you know, um, but I think that's just the reality of, of what it is. And unfortunately, sometimes doors are opened and and 
we forget that just because you have a certain degree that we went to Bible college, we went to seminary, have a doctorate of ministry, whatever it may be, that that doesn't necessarily mean you are, you know, that you should be going into ministry, right? That the degree in and of itself doesn't mean anything. Neither does not having degree mean anything, you know, like that doesn't make me more special because I didn't go to seminary and I'm able to do it. Like what really matters is, like both of you have said, is the calling from the Lord. And I think ultimately beyond that, it's, you know, our nearness to to Jesus is that are we walking with him? And if we are, like the disciples were, then we're going to be equipped and empowered for the ministry that he wants us to do. And there may be seasons where he reminds us that we need to get further education or, or more training um, to continue the work that he wants for us. And there may be other seasons where he says, you know, like, I have something else for you to learn um, but it won't come from the classroom. It won't come come from, you know, your seminary education. So, yeah, I I think it's just that's the reality of our world, especially the Chinese Heritage Church. That sometimes there's, I don't know, maybe the word would be like a gate gates that we have to go through, gatekeepers. Um, but yeah, I I like I do think though that after twelve years of ministry. Um, for me, you know, I was looking for a job two years ago, looking for where God was leading me next. And um, I didn't feel this second time around, you know, not that I felt this the first time, but I didn't feel in this process of looking for a job that because I didn't have a, a MDiv that it kind of closed doors or held me back from going where I felt God was leading me. Um, but I think part of that was having built relationship over you know, 12 years that really helped. So I can imagine for someone coming straight out of seminary, God just calling them into, you know, into full-time ministry like you, Chris, having the degree actually is very helpful because it's going to open a door where you don't have a relationship, where they don't know you. Uh, they don't know, you know, your resume, not your paper resume, but I think the resume like of, you know, the ministry that you do, right? What, what does Paul say? He calls it like, uh, yeah, you are the reference or the recommendation, like the people he served, that's the resume. And um, yeah, for first people just going into ministry that may not have that quite yet, the degree will open doors for you to explore what God has for you. John, something you said earlier, I want to kind of pick up on and talk a little bit more before we move on. Just this idea that we are lifelong learners, right? And I think for you and I, John, we've been in ministry for a number of years now. And I think we can look at what we've done so far and realize and recognize there's so much more for us to know. There's so much more for us to get better at in ministry. And I think that's where, even as you were just talking about for somebody who's, who hasn't been in ministry before and going into ministry with, with credentials and with a degree, that's really helpful for those of us who have been in ministry for a while. I would hope that we look at things and say, man, I, I need to grow in this area. I need to improve in this area. And that's a benefit of having seminaries available to us or having classes available to us to say like, I need to go back. I need to learn more about this. I need to study more about that uh, or even just do some research. And I think that is, that is really a wonderful thing about uh, being able to attend a seminary. And so, you know, just as we've been talking, you know, this, this is kind of stirring up in me uh, a greater desire to look at maybe, okay, are there some online classes I can start taking? Um, but really that's, that's a, a beautiful benefit of, uh, of attending seminary. Yeah, absolutely. So Chris, I want to go back to you actually and shift us to a new question. 
Um, so, you know, in your time, just uh, in your adulthood, college, post-college, um, now in seminary, you have spent time in a lot of different cultural spaces. I know in college, you spent like half a year in Rwanda. Um, you know, you grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, primar primarily attending a Chinese heritage church. Um, and then you lived in Houston, which can be very, um, can be a diverse place, maybe not quite as diverse as like say New York or, or the Bay, but it, it's up there. Uh, but then now you're in Dallas. And I think that that is, in and of itself is a very different environment than things, places that you've been in the past. And so I've, I know for a fact, just from our conversations offline, not on this podcast, that you're very aware of the space that you kind of take up as a Chinese American in seminary. And so, you know, the question that I have for you, now that you've spent time in seminary, in these classes, in a, in a very new and different place, what are uh, what were some things that you would like to see Western evangelical seminaries do to, you know, prepare um, ethnic minorities for full time ministry, or maybe specifically, what would you like to see them do um, to prepare Chinese Americans for ministry in the Chinese Heritage Church? I know that those can be different questions, but um, if you want to tackle both all at once, you're welcome to. So I think part of it is like the scope of your seminary program. Um, I know for those who are looking to go into the Chinese Heritage Church, like Fuller has their, I think they call it the Asian American, they have their Asian American Center or Asian American Initiative, right? So specific contextualized ministry for people in the Chinese Heritage Church. Um, in my program, in the Master of Theology, um, it's a little more generalized. Like there, there are electives and, and classes you can take on whatever specific ministry context you're looking to. Um, so I think one, just being aware of what, what is your program designed to prepare you for? Um, is it, you know, are you looking just to look into a specific ministry context, whether that's a Chinese heritage church or missions or parachurch ministry or pastoral ministry or, um, or something a little more generalized? Um, I think one thing that I wish seminaries would do more of is I think just acknowledging how much culture affects ministry or, or how affects how we view God. Um, in one of my first uh, Bible classes at, at DTS, um, a professor made the point that there's no such thing as Asian theology or white theology or black theology. There's just theology. His point being that truth about who God is doesn't change based on who we are, uh, that God is God is who he is outside of outside of culture. Right. And, and to that extent, I would agree. Um, but I think, you know, like take, for example, you know, the truth that God is love. Right. Like God is love means something different in the white church than it means in the Chinese church. Right. In in the Chinese church, it doesn't mean, you know, verbal affirmations of love and oftentimes, you know, not too much physical affection. But love shows up in, you know, sacrifice and working hard to provide for your family. Um, it shows up in in gift giving. It shows up in, you know, food is you know, speaks to all of us as we have spent many meals together, you know, love looks different, right? Like the truth that God is justice, right? That truth doesn't change, but it looks different for, you know, black and indigenous people of color, right? Because that, you know, their life experience and their cultures have been through a lot more than, you know, others have. And so God being a just God looks different in that culture. Um, and so I, and so I wish seminaries would, would acknowledge uh, just how much, you know, our, our cultural lenses affect how we, how we 
how we see God, not that it takes away from those truths at all, or makes God any less of who he is or distorts that. Um, but, you know, like Jesus came to earth as a, a Middle Eastern Jew in the first century, right? He came in a specific culture, in a specific context, um, which didn't change at all the fact that he was fully man and fully God and didn't change anything about his character or his nature, but he, but he shows up in, in a specific in a specific world and um, in a specific culture. And, and that's how he chose to, to come into the world. Um, and so I think recognizing that we are not first century Middle Easterners, right? Like we are, we are Chinese Americans. Uh, we are, you know, Western evangelicals. We are, you know, whatever you fill in the blank. Um, and so that, again, it, it doesn't change anything about who God is, but it, it really affects how we see him and how we understand him and how we, how we relate to him. You know, at, at Dallas Theological Seminary, most of my professors and most of my fellow classmates do not look like me and do not come from the same background. Um, and so, you know, as John has named, like I've, I've learned how to, how to navigate those the different spaces over the years. Um, and um, yeah, and, and so I think just wishing that there was more conversation about that. Yeah, Chris, I appreciate you bringing that up. And, you know, I think just in the course of our conversation here, I think we've acknowledged that there are definitely benefits to being in seminary. And there also are challenges to being in, in seminary. Um, but as we think more specifically about the Chinese Heritage Church, um, what are some of the resources that you've found to help fill in the gaps for Chinese Heritage Church ministry that you're not finding at seminary? Because like you've, like you've said, like there's, there's going to be some gaps there. What, what have you found to be helpful to fill in some of those gaps? I think the biggest thing has just been learning from and, and connecting with other you know, Chinese Americans or people in the Asian American church, um, whether that's, you know, listening to your guys' podcast and, and learning from guests that you guys have on there or different books or um, other, you know, Chinese American or Asian American authors and people who also love the Lord and have been called in the ministry and, and also have shared family background and cultural background. Um, and so a lot of our experiences and language and are, are similar and, and on, on the same plane. Um, and so, um, just being able to relate to each other in that way as, as people who are in ministry or, or called to ministry. You know, Chris, I, I don't know if we ever asked this on the podcast and I actually don't even know if we've explicitly talked about this uh, in the last year or two. Um, but I know that, you know, for Jalen and I, there are big hopes that you will someday serve in the Chinese Heritage Church, even if you haven't express that directly to us. Um, so I know that some of the questions we've asked you have had that in mind, but definitely we know that wherever the Lord takes you, wherever he leads you, whether it's the Chinese Heritage Church or not, that he's preparing you for something more, preparing you for how you're going to serve. Um, and But I do know that right now, at, at least I think, the church that you currently attend does have... Uh, you know, a Chinese heritage background, or uh, at least a Chinese pastor, if I remember correctly, that you're serving with. And so I think the question that I want to ask you is, because you're currently attending and serving in a church while also doing seminary, what do you feel like was the appropriate amount of, you know, engagement and involvement, or if not appropriate, the healthy amount of um, engagement and, and involvement that you have with your local church? 
Yeah. So I, I think that's going to vary from person to person. Um, I also work part-time not in the church or not in ministry. And so juggling a lot of hats while in school. Um, and then there's other people who, you know, are in seminary and they are interning or they're working at a church or, or on staff and to some degree. And so their involvement is going to look different, but I think it's the balance between, you know, on the one hand you're in seminary and this is a really unique time for you to learn and for you to, to, to really study the scripture and study God and, and do that with other people um, and to really go in depth. And on the other hand, you know, everything you're learning in the classroom isn't going to serve you well if you're not actually using it or applying it in your context or, or wherever God has you. And so, yeah, for, for me, uh, I've, I, I go to Asian American Baptist church in, in Richardson, Texas, which is a suburb just, just North of Dallas. Um, I recently became a member. And so my involvement in serving has, is slowly increasing, um, especially as I, you know, figure out what the balance between work and ministry and, and school looks like. Yeah, but I think just recognizing the value in both of those things, right? Like what you're learning in the classroom, but also, you know, how, how are you going to use that? Um, and not just waiting until you're done with seminary to jump back into serving and, and being involved in the church, um, but, to, but to continue to be involved in community and, and, and to do the things that you're learning about in, in the classroom. Yeah, I appreciate that thought because, you know, for our church, uh, we're maybe 15 or 20 minutes away from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. And so... You know, from time to time, we'll have Trinity students come and, you know, we'll kind of, we'll kind of, sometimes we'll get a student that knows everything because they're in seminary, right? And so they'll come in and have all the answers and, you know, be able to critique everything that we're doing. And, and they have the plan for what will, you know, take our church to the next level. And then we have other Trinity students who come and we know that they're at Trinity, but they just kind of passively sit there and, and don't engage much at all. And I think you're right. It'll vary from person to person. But I think if there are so many students who are listening, uh, it would be great. You are a great resource to the church. Uh, you are not going to be everything to the church, uh, but you are not nothing to the church as well. So wherever God has you, just as Chris, you were saying, like, find a way to plug in, find a way to, you know, I love that you became a member at this church, knowing that you might not necessarily be there long term, but just committing yourself to this, to this community and plugging in, that is so important. That is so key. And so I appreciate just your thoughts on that. And, and I would add to Jalen that not only are seminary students a resource to the church, but the church will be hopefully a resource to that student as well. That right. as much as they have something that they can serve in, they can give, that the church ought to be pouring into this next generation of pastors and leaders. And so if you're a church listening, or if you're a leader in the church, another pastor, um, you know, be thinking about ways that you can not just receive from those who are, you know, interning or um, kind of, you know, uh, just taking their first steps into ministry, but how you can also pour into them to train them and develop them for, for a lifetime of ministry. That's something I've really appreciated about my, my church here in, in Richardson or in the Dallas area is, you know, like the pastoral staff recognizing that, um, you know, I am in seminary. And so, you know, learning and, and studying well is a priority, but also, um, them being really vocal about giving me opportunities to, to serve and get involved and, and to learn and be involved in the, in the life of the church as well. So something I appreciate about the staff there. Well, Chris, what is one piece of advice or encouragement you would give to somebody who's currently serving in the Chinese Heritage Church? I think specifically for those who, you know, are in seminary or thinking about going to seminary, uh, my advice or encouragement would be to never replace um, learning about God or studying God with you know, being with God, 
um, and connecting with God, um, that those two things are not the same, that you can, you know, you can read the Bible, you know, hundreds of times over and, 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 and miss out on the God you're reading about. Um, and so my encouragement would be while you're in seminary to, to really dig into your relationship with God and not just dig into the studies of God and the academics. Yeah. You know, Chris, we have uh, really enjoyed having you on this podcast. Um, I was thinking about what story I could tell as we're kind of wrapping oh up this, this podcast, um, both to just remind you to stay humble. And I, I settled on this as we were talking um, this story. So, you know, many, many years ago when Chris was a high school student in my youth group, um, we were on a junior high retreat and um, he was serving as a volunteer in that retreat, you know, giving of his time. And we had another student in the youth group who had recently injured themselves while we were at a conference. And this girl had cut her foot on an escalator um, and had to get stitches. And, and so on the junior high retreat, which took place a few weeks after that incident, Chris decided with some other friends to record a video making fun of this girl. I may or may not have been involved. We, I don't remember that particular detail, um, but- It was in your office. <laughs> okay, so I was definitely involved. But uh, you guys filmed the video, posted it on her Facebook wall for her birthday, making fun of the fact that she had injured her foot on the escalator. And no sooner did you finish filming that video and posting it on Facebook, then you walked out of my, out of, you walked out of my office and then 30 seconds later, you walked back in and you said, I think I need to go to the emergency room because you also had injured your foot trying to get into the sanctuary and I think clipped it on the door or something. Yeah, I, uh, I opened the door of the sanctuary onto my toe yes. and cut it pretty deep and then limped across the lobby back to John's office. Bleeding um, as you went. Yes. And so I remember we had to make a late night trip to the emergency room. But the best part of this story was when we got to the ER, the nurse looked at your foot and basically said, look, we can either put a big bandaid on it or we can try to put a couple stitches in it. Um, and you definitely said, give me the stitches because I can't go back to youth group without, uh, you know, with just a big bandaid. Um, and so, yeah, that, I think that was one of, one of my more memorable moments as a youth pastor and uh, one of many trips to the emergency yes. room that I made with you yes. and other students. One of the many challenges that yes. I brought upon you. That's right. But yeah, it was great having you on the podcast, Chris. Thank you for hanging out with us tonight and for being our friend and yeah, just someone that we do ministry with. Yep. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Chris. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.